0: Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope
1: Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Russ continues our sermon series called The Life That Flourishes with the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. It comes from John chapter 4, verses 1 through 41. Oh, this was one of those weeks. This is one of those weeks that, uh, just on a very selfish level, preachers dread. We dread it because we have a sermon that we are preparing and we have been working on and thinking about. We've thrown it out there a couple, three, four weeks so it could be planned around. And then the events of that week come up and you begin to wonder, is this even appropriate for a week like this? And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it turns and Uh, For instance, when when 9-11 occurred, we threw everything out and just had to pivot. Everything we had, as good as it was supposed to be, wasn't speaking to the moment. Same thing with Columbine. I remember one of the first uh, Zimbabwe Sundays that we had. We were in the other sanctuary, as the sanctuary, and it was one of those times in the front range where it decided to dump a boatload of snow that night and we had all of about 15 people who showed up and we were wondering why did you show up (laughs) (laughs) and we changed we changed everything we had we we gathered and we first congratulated ourselves for being there and then we held hands we had we're in a circle we had prayer We shared and then we went home. That's Sometimes the events of the world and the events of the community demand that you do something different. So is this one of those weeks as we are watching, as we are watching on TV and on Twitter and on TikTok and all the other places that that this war in Ukraine is beginning to unfold and then bombard, and, and we are watching in horror and our hearts are sinking. And it turns out this week... I think the passage holds up really well. I think, I think it's exactly what we need for us today. In that, in that way that scripture seems to have that capability of speaking into different times and places and situations uh, because it's a living word that the spirit is using it and i think because part is is because we are doing a, a series on the book of john and as we have said all the stories that are in the book of john we've been told why they're there at the beginning of the of the book and at the end of the book and right there in the middle of the book jesus says i'm telling you all these things so that you can have life and you can have a abundant life you can have a life that flourishes at the end of the book John says all these things there's so many more things we could take but all these things are here so that you would believe and then you would have life and there is something in that life of God that Christ is offering and bringing that needs to speak into our life this week it has to do with this story this story that is the story that as Jordan read it is the woman at the well Few num- a number of years ago, um, my wife Leanne and I put together a class called Reimagining God. And it was four weeks, a number of you took it, it was four weeks and we stayed all four weeks on one story, this story, because we found it to be so pivotal. Now I know some people take offense at the idea and balked even then, what do you mean reimagine, we don't imagine God, God just is, yes. And how we image God is what sometimes needs to be rethought. We need to re-image God sometimes. And that's what this story is about. Because many times in this story, as well as in our life, we, we have come to believe that, and there are versions of what we're doing here, that, that what Jesus came to do was to help God, to change God's mind about us. That when Jesus came and took on flesh and, and died on a cross and rose from it, this was so that God would look at us differently, see us differently, when in fact, when in fact, when we look at this story, this is a prime example that Jesus came to change our mind about God, not the reverse. So it is very much about how we image and imagine Jesus and imagine what Jesus was doing. And it begins with a simple request. It begins with this request of, can I have a drink of water? Very human. (laughs) Very basic. And immediately, because the scripture often uses something that's very common, very ordinary, to get to something very deep and very sacred and the various levels of meaning, very quickly, we understand that this is a story not just about physical water. It, 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 the very next statement of the woman is, why do you, a Jewish man, ask for a drink of water from me, a Samaritan woman? And we understand immediately we're in a different territory suddenly, aren't we? That this is going to have to do with more than just about water. The parentheses that is in there, the little explanation underneath all of this is, He said this because, you know, for people who didn't know back then, who didn't understand the context, uh, Samaritans and Jews don't have much in common. The the earthy, the real earthy wording of this in terms of what they have in common and commune and partake in the same, the real earthy is they don't drink from the same cup. Why would you ask for that from me? We don't drink from the same cup. We don't even talk to each other. If, If you were really a teacher and we're really being serious about your faith, not only would you not talk to me, you wouldn't be near me, you wouldn't even let the shadow of somebody like me fall across you or your house or your goods without having to clean them again. We don't really get along with each other. And now we're getting to the crux of what this is about. This is having to do not just with who God is, but it has to do with how we imagine what God wants. Another way of saying that is religion. Religion is about how we, what we do, what we think, how we say, how we act. Because because at the core of religion is this idea of we are sometimes trying to line God up with us so that we will become acceptable. What do I need to do so that I become acceptable to God? How do I change God's mind? So that I become acceptable or I am worthy. How do I change God's mind? What do I need to do? What church do I need to go to? What do I need to believe? What, thing, what practices do I need to have and not have so that I will get the blessing of God or the favor of God? What kind of prayers? What kind of Bible? What kind of songs do I sing and not sing so that I can experience the presence of God? There is a difference there's a difference here because, on the one hand, what we are talking about is the presence of God. The content of what I'm looking for, what my heart longs for. But we always seem to go to the other part, which is the container. This is what this is how we hold it. The, the things of our faith, of of we worship on Sunday morning. and This is what we believe, and this is what we don't believe, and the, that's the container. And we always keep arguing about the container when what we're really asking for is the water itself. We're really asking for the presence. We're asking for the blessing of God. But we keep fighting about, arguing about, wondering about the container. Did you see that story about a week ago in the paper where it was a priest who was pointed out that the words that he was saying at baptism were wrong? He said... We baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he was supposed to say, the words in the book said, I baptize you. And because of that, there was question about whether those baptisms were official. Whether they were valid. And, and in that tradition, therefore, whether those children, in fact, stood, had the standing in, with God that they thought they had. How do we change God's mind about us and if you use the wrong words the wrong practices we're talking about a cup we'd laugh at that but look how many times we have divided over this table in the church we have said before that there are over 10,000 different denominational affiliations and groupings and fellowships in America alone over 30,000 in the world 10,000 reasons why we can't sit at the same table it is unacceptable for people who cannot take from the same table, worship in the same place. We understand that. It's just our own version of it. And the question that this woman is raising, this question is, is so wait a minute, you were doing it all wrong. The cup that you drink from and the cup we drink from is different. And then she, she makes the point a little sharper when a little bit later in the story, she says, listen, our ancestors worshiped on this mountain. Yours worshiped down in Jerusalem. Which one's Right? Which is the right one that's going to get God's favor, God's blessing? How are we going to change God's mind about us if we're not doing it correctly? If you know, if you remember your Old Testament, you remember that there were 12 tribes of Israel. There was a civil war. Two tribes were in the south and they worshiped at Jerusalem. The other ten tribes formed what we call what was called Israel. And they, they worshiped at this mountain. Both were absolutely convinced they were right. Both were absolutely convinced that the person worshiping at that mountain was heretical, was out of God's favor, and there was a whole tradition that built up around all of these. So, Jesus, you seem like a smart guy. Which one's right? And Jesus' response was pretty telling. Jesus' response was, you're asking the wrong question. In fact, he, he says, actually, neither. I'm telling you the time is coming when we're not going to argue about this container or this container that the real thing we should be asking about is the is, is the content itself it's the spirit of God it's the presence of God it's the water for our soul that people are thirsty for that's what we should be talking about because God is spirit and if you're going to worship God you have to worship in spirit now there, We always have to do it with a... We always contain it somehow. But the question is, don't fight about the container. They ask, does the container carry what we want it to do? For instance, part of our container here... Is we worship on Sunday mornings. At 9.30. In a semicircle type sanctuary. With a combination of music and scripture... And the service is about an hour-ish, depending on whether the minister behaves and preaches about 20 minutes-ish. You know, just like Jesus' time. This is the container that we have found, and hopefully that it's meaningful, that as we, as we gather up and that this is how we experience God... There is a whole conversation today about deconstructing faith, about should we look at this, and and some people are very upset about it, I think partly on one hand deconstructing a faith which leads some to reject it is a healthy thing, it's a normal thing, it's a maturational thing, we do it all the time. When you get married, you deconstruct what you think a marriage is going to be based on what you have experienced. You start to deconstruct, take things away, build things back so that you create something that fits more your time and space and your relationship. Certainly true for parenting, right? Anytime you have your first kid, everything you thought you knew about being a parent goes out the window and you have to deconstruct your own childhood and understanding and you start to put it together. Same thing with faith. Sometimes what gets thrown out is toxic, and it should it should get thrown out we used to use cups that had lead in it very effective at holding whatever we wanted to drink unfortunately the long-term effects was it was deadly in the church, we have sometimes created containers that, that had an amalgam of fear and guilt and shame and control. And it contained what we needed to and brought what we needed to at the moment. But over the long term, as we drank from that cup, it got deadly. It should, it should be rejected. And Jesus is saying, here's the point. Is what you are, is what you are doing, is it bringing you, is it connecting you to the deep resources of God And here's the litmus test. Is it changing your mind about God? It's not about changing God's mind about us. Jesus is there. Jesus is at this point of need with this woman. And it says, start here. If you want to understand this, start here. Start with the fact that everybody in this story is thirsty. They are Jews. They are Samaritans. They are men. They are women. They are people who are later on, who are part of the community. There are people on the outside of the community. You know what they all have in common? They all are thirsty. This is a story about people who are thirsty and what's keeping them from water is all the different things that they have set up that divide them. And Jesus is saying the time is coming. In fact, it's here now. And we're going to, we're not going to get so fussy about the cup. The container. But I'm here. I am the new container. I am the content. I am the presence of God. I am the one who is telling you that God already accepts you, already loves you and your neighbor. I'm the one who is bringing that presence and that belonging and that worthiness to you in the place where you are thirsty, in the place where you are lonely. We keep thinking, we keep thinking and making a hash of it when we think that in order for God to notice and give us blessing, we, it's our accomplishments. We have to worship on the right mountain, in the right way, with the right words, with the right beliefs, and with the right kind of prayer, the right kind of... All these things that we somehow accomplish, and that is what is somehow going to align us with God. And Jesus is saying in this story, actually, it starts right here. Are you thirsty? The question about are you doing this right gets in the way. Are you thirsty? Is there a place in your soul that longs for meaning and purpose and worthiness? Is there a place in your soul that that is dying a little bit? Every time you go to this and you find yourself more excluded or given more fear, more guilt... Jesus came to change our mind about God and the message he brings is himself. He is sitting there with this outcast Samaritan woman, the least likely person that you would expect the Messiah of the world to come to and they're having a very basic conversation. Are you thirsty? Because if you knew who you were talking to, if you knew who you were talking to, you would be asking for this water that gets to your soul. One of the pictures, that we used for this class at Leanne and I did years ago was this one. Contemporary artist. And what I particularly like about it is you have this woman at the well who's looking down and she is by herself. And the moment of transformation is when she looks down and recognizes the reflection of two faces. Hers and Christ who's looking back at her. That this is the place where we meet. This is the place where we experience Christ. It is in this place of need. Of thirst. So this morning, before we go any further. Are you thirsty today? Because Jesus is there and offering a different way to live. With a different reality. To see God differently. With an invitation to receive what has been given. And to offer ourselves to the One who has been offered to us. In the next few moments, Randy and Leanne are singing a song, and there's images and the words. It gets to right to this, and as you were listening and seeing and watching, may I invite you to ask yourself, where today are you thirsty? <laughs>
0: I will search for yours Let me be
1: Why do, you, why do you, a Jewish man, talk to be a Samaritan woman, she asks. And she's getting to the second part of this that seemed particularly poignant this week. Because make no mistake, the way that we imagine and see and image God, the image that we have of God is going to very much affect the image that we have for one another. And for so many years and for so many generations and millennia, the way we have visioned and imagined God means that we have to divide ourselves, separate ourselves, go to war with those who do not look like us. Who don't see God the same way or don't see God the way we think they should and so somehow they become less worthy, less important, less human. How we imagine God has everything to do with how we imagine and image the other. They are at this place where people go because they are thirsty. Jacob's well, and there is a war going on. Who gets to drink from here? Who doesn't? The fact that Jesus is speaking to this woman at noon sort of hints at that. Because of who she is in her own community and her own somehow behavior that puts her on the outside, she doesn't go with all the other women in the morning or in the evening when it's safe. She is an outcast. She has to go in the middle of the day when no one else is there because she wouldn't be allowed there She has to go there because she's by herself. She doesn't belong. Because the way they imagine and image God for them means she's not acceptable. When the disciples come back, they are shocked that he's talking to this woman because the way they have imagined God affects the way that they see this woman as well. And the same thing when the townspeople come out. How we imagine and think about And use as the image of God has everything to do with how we are treating our neighbor. And how we are treating our neighbor has come into sharp focus this this week. In Ukraine particularly, but we know that this is just one microcosm of all the different wars and conflicts and, and, and tensions throughout the world. It just seems to be the most noticeable and indeed it's critical. And you have seen, as I have seen, some of the different things that are coming out in real time Uh, from Ukraine on Twitter, TikTok, news, Google Maps... Mm -hmm. I think the most prophetic thing I have seen of all the words that have been spoken so far and it was picked up on a radio of Russian soldiers as they were coming into Ukraine and the first couple days of confusion and it wasn't going the way that it was supposed to go and in part and in part it came down to as one Russian soldier radioed in says we're having problems, we don't know who to shoot, everybody looks like us. And that is the problem and that is the point. To that you want to say, amen. Shouldn't that be a clue? Shouldn't that be a clue that the things that we have put on this group of people is artificial at best? It is surface at best. Because at the core of it, we are, we're the same people. People. There is no one you're going to see this week who doesn't thirst and doesn't get hungry and doesn't get cold and doesn't get lonely. There is no one in this world you're ever going to bump into who isn't loved of God. And if we can start there, my goodness, what a difference that would make in the way that we live. We talk about faith and we talk about Jesus as Lord and Savior, and he is. But the way we imagine that sometimes makes the problem worse. Because the way we imagine that sometimes is that that gives me a whole set of categories and nuances from which to divide, separate from other people. Sometimes we even weaponize that stuff with our exclusion and our shame and our violence sometimes. Let me just say this, if your faith gives you more reasons to divide, more reasons to separate, more reasons to exclude, more reasons to shame, more reasons to somehow push and dehumanize others. It has very little to do with the Messiah who was sitting at the well with this woman who's asking for something to drink. If it is, and as it should, if our faith and our religion gives us more reasons to see how we are connected to this other person and a deeper connection of who we are, if it gives us more reasons to find union and reconciliation, then, then we have something to do with the person who's in this story. We have something to do with why we say that Jesus is the savior of the world, because Jesus is giving us not only just a different way to look at God, but a different way to look at one another. And my God, don't we need that? Isn't there that hunger? And isn't there that thirst? Isn't there that yearning? For some place where we can gather. And it begins, it begins again today with hearing the one who says, if you knew who you were talking to, if you knew who you were coming to, I'm the one who is sitting here with you, thirsty, thirsty, Asking for a drink. I'm the one who's coming here and saying, if you knew why I'm here, you would be asking me. It is asking for, it is coming and receiving. This passage is not just appropriate, I believe it is essential for where we are. And it poses the same question to us today. Will we partake of what Jesus is offering? Because as we do, As Jesus becomes our vision, as Jesus becomes the one who helps us see God and see other, then we have a life that becomes a source of the life that has no end and that is flourishing and is in front of us even now. Will you pray with me? Indeed, God, be our vision this day. Be a new vision for us. Help us to see. See us as we are. See us as you are. See us. Give us the vision to see who, you for who you are. And then, oh God, help us to partake, to receive of that life, that water, and to say yes to that invitation for ourselves and for our world through Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.